Him with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, and this is sort of a rhetorical question, but have you ever stayed up all night to wait for something? So, I was going through the times in my life, I've stayed up and waited for something, and all of them, believe it or not, were next to my son, the pastor. I don't know if he's going to mention this in his sermon today, but when Benjamin was about 12 or 13 years old, the new Harry Potter book was coming out on a Friday night, and we were leaving for vacation on Saturday morning. It was a six-hour drive. He said, I want the new book. So yes, we went over to the Eschelein Mall, and we waited with all the other parents and children all night long, all night long, all the kids excitedly talking about Harry Potter and all the parents going, this is the stupidest thing we ever did in our whole life. Why don't we just come over tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock when this... No, we had to be in line. And we got that Harry Potter book and, and all my children are good readers. He read that like 1,700 page book in a day and a half. He was just, he needed to know what Harry Potter was doing next. We heard on the news that they were going to have a meteor shower. And in, in the town where I raised my children, there's a huge soccer complex, and it's a great place to go star watching. Benjamin, the pastor, says, I want to go see the meteor shower. So, yep, we got our bag chairs and our blankets, our Bluetooth speakers, because if I'm sitting out in the middle of nowhere at 3 o'clock in the morning, I want some music. And then we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and we got the biggest hot chocolate they had and we sat and we watched the meteor shower. But we knew it was coming. One more. Benjamin's a freshman in college and his laptop goes belly up. And they had them on sale on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving that morning. We got out the bag chairs and the blankets and the Bluetooth speaker. We also took a portable camping heater. It's this uh, radiating heater, and you put the uh, propane on the bottom. We were the warmest people waiting at Best Buy, but yes, we waited all night for half-price computers. Here's the problem. There's no eyewitness testimony to the rolling of the stone or the resurrection of the Savior. They were looking in the wrong place. I read a wonderful book this week. It was called... Um, Actually, I read three, and now I can't remember which one the quote came from. Here's the quote. Stop looking for what God is not doing and look for what God is doing. So the disciples thought that Jesus was the Messiah. They would have told you that. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, the Messiah was supposed to come in and usurp the Roman government. He was going to kick them out. This is what they believed, and he was going to reestablish David's kingdom, and Israel was going to be a great country in all the family of nations in the world. The problem is, dead kings can't usurp the Roman government. On Friday, when Jesus died, hope died. And there were no Christians because there was no Christ. So there was nobody sitting at the tomb in a bag chair with a blanket and a Bluetooth speaker saying, I know what's going to happen. There were no signs that said, welcome back, Jesus. No one was there. 
They were looking in the wrong place. Well, friends, sometimes I think we're looking in the wrong place, but how do we know that there was an empty tomb? Well, did anybody see him come out? The answer is no. Well, Mary saw him in the garden, we say. We've heard that story. He said, Mary, and she said, Rabbi, but nobody saw him come out. It's just a story in the Bible. And everybody knows that the Bible is just a collection of stories. No, the Bible is a collection of eyewitness accounts. They said 500 people saw the risen Christ. We have the stories of his encounter with Mary. We have the stories of his encounter with the disciples and with Thomas. We have the story that he was seen by over 500 people at a time. On Good Friday, we sang, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they raised him from the tomb? Well, I wasn't there, but I believe the testimony of the gospel witnesses. Then that same belief should propel us to Easter morning and the resurrection. Let's take a look at what the scripture says. So in Luke 23, 53, it said Jesus was wrapped in a shroud. Very clearly, he was not ceremonially prepared. Pastors today are going to be speaking on the Shroud of Turin, and if they believe it or not believe it, they just wrapped him in a shroud quickly, and they put him in the tomb because sundown was coming and it was Passover. We moved to 24.1. The women were coming to finish the preparation. In fact, one of the scripture passages tell us that they had 70 pounds of spices. That's a lot of spices for the women to carry, but they wanted to finish the preparation of the body. Nobody was there with a bag chair and a blanket and a Bluetooth speaker. Nobody knew what was coming. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible writer, Luke, wrote, the women went to the the tomb, and at the very end, he says, oh, and here's who the women were. Why does he do that? Because it was still being written at the time when everybody knew who went to the tomb. The eyewitnesses were still alive. It's an afterthought because, well, you say, well, you know, when I was 18, I saw the Beatles. Well, we don't need to name the Beatles because we know who they were. However, there's some people in this world who never saw the Beatles, never heard the Beatles, and you'd have to name them. I know, some of you want to name them. You can name them silently in your head. Don't leave out George. <laughs> then John says, and John, John confirms what Luke says, that Peter ran to the tomb, and he went inside, and the tomb was empty, and there was no Jesus, just the folded cloths. Now, Jesus did prepare him for this. Luke tells us in Luke 9.22 that the Son of Man must suffer many things. Be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. I'll tell you, I'm a man who sometimes forgets to put on his wedding ring in the morning. I forget things more and more the closer I I get to 65. I don't know about you, but do you remember as much as you did when you were younger? And if you are grieving and upset and hope for you has died... Are you going to remember Luke 9.22? And by the way, Luke 9.22 had not been written down yet. It'd be hard to remember it. 
They were hiding. There was nobody there. Now, the event of the resurrection created a missionary movement and an eventual martyrdom of the disciples and followers of Jesus. A movement that lasts to this day. Think about this. People do not give up their lives for a myth or a fantastic story or a false teaching. And if I were going to do a sermon on that, they'd all begin with the letter E. You know, I love alliteration. There's the event of the resurrection, the eyewitness testimony, and then the evangelism. It doesn't work unless we tell somebody about it. Well, let's take a moment to look at the history of this. There were no disciples at the tomb. There were no followers. There weren't even enemies of Jesus at the tomb. It was a silent, unwitnessed moment in history. Now, I was here for Christmas Eve. Angels we have heard on high, while shepherds watch their flocks by night. We've got songs about the innkeeper. We've got songs about the donkey. We've got songs about the cow. The birth was witnessed by many people. I've got to tell you, my second son had a little problem with his birth, and it was one of those cases that doesn't happen often. So the doctor was in the room. There were like five residents, three nurses. And his mother said, because he had not yet arrived, can we get some of these people out of here? She did not want many eyewitnesses to the birth of Jonathan. Shoo, she said, be gone. Nobody wants you here. Poor Mary had multitudes of angels, shouting shepherds. And if your nativity is like mine, we don't know exactly when they came, but the wise men showed up. That's more people than your average person wants at the birth of their child. Nobody was there for the resurrection. See, in the minds of Jesus' followers, it was already finished. The truth is that dead things stay dead. And the only person we know that raised dead people was Jesus, and he was dead. And then the resurrection happened. And what was finished was unfinished. It reminds me of a short story by Russell Keffler. It goes like this. He says, let me tell you about one woman who had a special way of sharing her resurrection faith. Her story is told in a book by Dr. Will Phillips of San Antonio, and her name was Edith Burns. She was an elderly woman who loved Jesus, and she would often sit down with someone and say, hello, My name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? They said yes. She would ask them what they believe about Easter. And if they talked about Easter bunnies and colored eggs, she had a chance to share with them the real meaning of Easter. Countless people were led to Christ by Edith Burns, including Dr. Phillips' head nurse. One day, Dr. Phillips called Edith to his office and said, Edith, I've got bad news for you. Your tests have come back positive. You have an aggressive form of cancer, and you may not have long to live. Edith replied, why, Dr. Phillips, you need not look so sad. I've had a full life, and now you're telling me before long I'm going to see my Lord Jesus face to face. I'll be reunited with my dear husband, my parents, and so many old friends. After several months of chemotherapy, it was clear that the cancer was winning the battle for Edith's wife, life. 
She went to the hospital and everybody who met her was attracted by her warm and positive faith. And if she got half a chance, you know what she would say. Hello, I'm Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? And she picked up a nickname at the hospital. They called her Easter Edith. But there was one person who was not attracted to Edith. Her name was Phyllis Cross, and she was a mean, ornery nurse. She'd been an army nurse for 20 years. She'd been married four times, and she told the supervisor, I don't want to have anything to do with that religious nut, Edith Burns. Well, one day Phyllis had to go to Edith's room to draw some blood, and Edith said, Phyllis, God loves you, and I love you too, and I'm praying for you. Phyllis said, well, you can stop praying for me. It won't work, and I'm not interested. Edith said, I can't stop praying for you. And I've asked God not to let me go home until you have come into his family. Phyllis replied, then you will never die. Because that will never happen. And she walked out. Edith and Phyllis saw each other regularly over the coming weeks. But Edith never asked her question. She posed it to everyone else. Do you believe in Easter? Finally, Phyllis' curiosity got the best of her. She said, Edith, why have you never asked me if I believe in Easter? Edith smiled and she replied, I asked God to cause you to ask me about Easter. And you just did. Phyllis was caught off guard. Her defenses dropped. Edith shared Christ with her. And this tough old army nurse invited Jesus into her heart. A few days later, Phyllis walked into Edith's room and said, Hey, Edith, it's Good Friday. No, Edith said, it's Easter. The life of a Christian every day is Resurrection Day. Happy Easter, Phyllis. Two days later on Easter Sunday, Phyllis walked into Edith's room and noticed a tranquil smile on her face. But it was obvious that her soul had departed to be with the Lord. Phyllis placed her hands on Edith and said, Happy Easter, dear. Then she assisted the family in making arrangements, and several hours later, she managed to get a few minutes off duty. She sat down in the break room to have a cup of coffee, and one of the new student nurses happened to be there. Phyllis said, hello, my name is Phyllis Cross. Do you believe in Easter? Billy Graham once said, if I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection. Because that's the heart of Christianity. The resurrection changed and changes lives. The resurrection demonstrates God's love for us and our victory over sin and death. The resurrection makes us eyewitnesses. Let me finish with this thought. Good morning. My name's Doc Madison. Do you believe in Easter? Amen.